A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Craig Doyle. Welcome to the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Coming up, the views of Colin Edwards, Neil Hodgson, Keith Ewan, Julian Ryder and Gavin Emmett. But first, here is how the race was won. Maverick Vinales on the M1 factory Yamaha then comes to the close of this lap. The feature race of the day, the MotoGP is going to be two wins out of two Grand Prix for Maverick Vinales. A short shoot then onto the finish line. It's just 20 yards away. Maverick Vinales takes the win. From Valentino Rossi, his teammate, Yamaha are going to be so happy. And a brilliant ride from Cal Crutzlow into third place. The first man since Wayne Rainey to do back-to-back opening Grand Prix wins. Zarco gets it over the line in fifth. Folger, his teammate, is sick. What a day for the independent team, Yamaha's as well. Colin Edwards, Neil Hodgson, what a great day we've had. It's, it's been really good because practice sections were difficult, qualifying difficult, weather was playing up, but actually today, smashing. Yeah, I, I just said, actually off camera, I said, do you know what, Colin, sometimes you forget how good Cal Crutchlow is. On a day like today when the Honda wasn't working, when the more when the factory boys crashed their bikes, he held it together. How many mistakes did we see him make? None. And just did an incredible job. And you say it's a good day. It wasn't a good day for Honda, Suzuki, Ducati, the Marquez brothers. I mean, there was yeah, a few yeah, things yeah. that went wrong, but as far as the action, yes, there was plenty. Well, that's why. That's kind of why it's a good day, and I don't mean to say naughty on that, but, you know, the fact is you can't call these races. You said it beforehand. The teams we expect to do things are just not doing them at the moment. It's a great season opener. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is because the field is so close now. You have to be on the limit every lap. Marquez knew he was on the medium rear. He had to push early on. He saw the gap, and he saw the gap was growing. And typical Marquez, he carried on pushing, and down he went. And that's why we're seeing mistakes, because it's so close. Yeah, some big moments. You know, we're going to show everyone at home all those moments, all those crashes, some brilliant overtaking, too. Before that, let's remind ourselves how it all finished in MotoGP today. And Maverick Vinales, he kind of cruised home in the end, uh, almost three seconds ahead of Valentino Rossi. Cal Crutchlow in third there, another three seconds behind Cal Sainz. He reckons he could have closed them down, but had to keep an eye on the off-fuel. Alvaro Bautista, absolutely outstanding for him, I guess, and the Ducati team with the smallest amount of cash, but doing the best job for that mark today. Absolutely wonderful stuff. And Johan Zarco and Jonas Fulger, fifth and sixth. Really good for Tech 3. Right, let's go get some reaction from Gav. Carl, congratulations on the podium here in Argentina. Not the first time. We know you got one here a couple of years ago, but just how important this one was it for you after Qatar and maybe after the end of last season as well? Uh, yeah, uh, first race I've finished back uh, since, since Australia and I've had another podium, so yeah, good. Um, no, obviously really pleased for my team. Nice to be able to uh, to repay them after Qatar. Um, 
the hard work they've put in in the in the off season and also me with uh, with trying to help develop this bike is it's not been easy. So yeah, uh, to to also be the first Honda of the year on a podium, I think true. Um, yeah, sounds about right. So yeah, it's nice. It's it's uh, it's good for my team. We we deserve it. We worked hard. The race was actually quite easy. Um, <laughs> It, what, honestly, uh, I could have pushed probably for Maverick. I tried two or three times, but I had a warning light come on on my dash. Every, every time I pushed, uh, I had a warning light come on, so I had to slow down. But I could keep the pace. I just had to slow down. And then Valet just stayed at the same behind me. Um, and in the end, when he came past, I probably could have stayed a lot closer behind him, but the warning light was on. I say, OK, I just have to finish the race. So in the end, um, it was quite an, e- an easy race. Long, but easy. Not so much going on, not so much passing, um, but good fun, you know. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll go to Texas now. Hopefully, uh, in good spirits. The the bike's really hard to ride, um, especially the last five laps of the race seemed very difficult to ride. I was cruising around, but it seemed really, really difficult um, physically, um, and I, I want to be able to improve that in the in the next race. Um, because uh, we could have been doing a second a lap faster if we if the bike was just not shaking. Um, but we know why it's shaking. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. We we'll go to the next one and uh, and try again. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out of Argentina and getting to Austin and seeing my family tomorrow. I just wonder about the warning light. Was there also a warning when Marquez went down? You'll have seen him. He had obviously the same tyres as you. The harder on the front there, Danny. I don't know if you know. He also crashed out on similar sort of things. So uh, was that a, a worry to you at all? A concern? When I saw that them two had crashed with the same front tyre as me, I was a little concerned, but I knew I could manage the tyre to the end of the race, not really pushing, you know. Um, yeah, the, war- the warning was not... Uh, it was, was a little something else, but uh, I, I, I let Mark go in the start of the race because I knew that... Um, I changed the rear tyre on the grid um, and it took another lap to come in and I let him go and I thought, OK, it's perfect situation because he can try and go then I'll try and catch him. Same, same as in Australia. Um, I was not willing to risk it at the start. I, I needed to finish the race after Qatar, and I didn't need to push in those, those first laps. So uh, I kept the guys behind me for a little while, and then I said, OK, now I have to speed up. Carl, so pleased for you. Well done on third place today. Cheers. Yes, Thanks, guys. Cheers. Everyone's been there, light on, 20 miles from the nearest petrol station, just try and bring it home. Is that essentially what happened? Was uh, it a fuel warning? A whole lot of smoke and mirrors. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to dissect that, but could be a fuel light or something like that. You know, the old bikes with the old electronics, they used to self-adjust, you know, every six laps. The new electronics, I don't know. It might be a warning light that comes on saying you're drinking too much, back it off, but he said he could still hold the same pace. So it wouldn't necessarily be a light saying you're running out of fuel. It would be saying you're exceeding the amount of fuel you, you should be using at this stage of a race. Yeah, it, that's more than likely, but I've never heard that before. I don't know if that's a new thing they've got. Possibly, I don't know. Okay. Who, who Cal never, you, you know, it's like you've always, there's, there's, a, message, there's a message in there somewhere. Right, but we, okay, we'll I'll get a team out. of analysts on there yeah, immediately. Yeah. Um, Jorge Lorenzo didn't have to worry about fuel, he didn't get past the first corner. No, uh, and that's not his fault, to be fair. It was his fault. It, it oh, was, well, yeah, it was his fault. He ran into the back of who, who uh, was I it, think, a Suzuki? Uh, Ian Oni. Ian Oni, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely it was, it was his fault. The, you know, obviously he's got the throttle in his hand. This is the problem when you qualify in 16th. Okay, but tell me something. He does run into the back of Iannone, but does Iannone check up 
Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's tell. It's hard to tell. Think that, I don't think that's clean cut. You know these things. You think that's a clean cut? That's 100% clean cut in my yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the guy in the front's got every yeah. right. You know, yeah. I mean. No, he just runs straight into him. Yeah, I'll he give ran, you that now. He ran, on that shot. I'll yeah, he ran straight into him. Honestly, Craig, he did. He did. I mean, don't get me wrong. He don't make many mistakes like that. But he's just trying to get a drive out of this corner. And he knows what's basically, he's qualified 16th and he has to be aggressive on that first lap and he was just trying to set up getting into turn two. I don't think he knew he was going to run into him because his head was so far over. Yeah. I don't think he really saw him and just assumed he'd be out of the way. Absolutely. That's it. I think about it. His head's down by his hand. You can't see that little, that part. It's like a blind spot. And that's what exactly what's happened. He was merely one of the first of the, of the big names to fall because they followed quick and fast after that. Mark Marquez. What happened here, Colin? You know, and I mean, it happened so fast. If we could slow it down, I could analyze it. But it looks like he gets in over those rollers, compresses the tire. And as he goes over that last little roller, it kind of, it's too hard on it. It overloads it and just goes away from him. Um, and his technique of braking, Colin, because, you know, he doesn't squeeze the brake. He grabs the brake. <laughs> and smashes it. And that compounds it with what Colin's saying, with, with the front sort of, like, just, just wallowing a bit. But, but then Danny Pedrosa has the exact same crash, which was kind of odd, wasn't it? Yeah, and he gets in there, gets a bit loose already, and he's being stubborn about it. You know, I can get it to go in, and that happened a little bit later than uh, Marquez's. Yeah, tough on Danny, tough on Mark as well. I mean, they have to fight so hard with that bike. Uh, have another look at this, Carl. A bit slower down. Talk us through what you think's happening. Look at his front tire. He goes over the little roller and just gets it unloaded. Yeah, takes the weight just off takes it. Takes the weight off of it and away it goes. And, and it's that, that, that combination. He's taking the weight off the front and he's aggressive. He grabs it. He doesn't squeeze it. He doesn't transfer the weight. Don't get me wrong, his technique works, but just as that weight came off, and he didn't stand a chance, really. We saw how fast he went down. You don't save them. Um, we're just outside the Ducati pit box here, and you can see there's a few of the big bots there, and they're forcing smiles, but they've had a really, really difficult day. But you got to feel for Davizioso. Oh. I mean, not his fault yet again. Two years on the bounce in Argentina. Yeah, yeah. It, how many, but it's not just at this track. How many times has this happened? Innocently going wide. And it's not Alicia's fault. I know Alicia's cleaned him out, but Alicia's crashed on his own accord, just bad luck. And you know, Espigaro, he did, I think, four 40.0s or three in a row. He was catching these guys and just eye line, eye sight, got in there That's a little hot and Yeah, what happens when went. somebody outbreaks himself in front of you, you break too late as well. And Dovi did the intelligent thing, was going wide, but Espigaro thought, I'm up the inside here. Yeah. And down he went. Uh, well, when you're behind him, you think he's gonna come back on you. Yeah. What do they do now? I mean, what a terrible weekend for them. Colin? Uh, what do they do don't now? Don't ask me, man. What do they do now? No, I don't it's... know. It's a, it's a difficult situation, that's for sure. It really is. Um, right, uh, so much to look at, of course, and we have two more live races coming your way, but the big headline today, I guess, is Maverick Vinales just looking so smooth in the lead here today and so smooth and looked like really nobody was going to catch him in that MotoGP race. You've analysed what he does out there and you've compared and contrast with Johan Zarco. Show us what you've got. Yeah, and you know, we know Zarco was on the hard rear. Um, this is Vinales here. <laughs> coming around was his turn six and there's just no smoke billowing off the tire. There's a little tiny little bit, but there's nothing crazy. You look at Zarco here, okay, hard tire, different tire. It's already sideways. It's already clocked sideways. And it, you're just roasting the tire. And it wasn't just that corner. The very next one is where I really clocked it. Vinales is just nice and easy, you know, wheels in line, and he's just managing his tire. It's amazing. You forget he was on a Suzuki last year. He looks like he's been riding that bike all his life. Uh, let's hear from him now. He's with Gav. Maverick, congratulations. Two races, two wins on Yamaha. I don't know if you know, but the last person to do that at the start of the season for Yamaha was Wayne Rainey. 
1990. Wow. <laughs> Valentino didn't wow. do it, Jorge didn't do it. So does that feel even better? Yeah, <laughs> even better. Compare myself to when Rainey did something incredible. He's a legend, one of the best, the greatest of all the time. So, so happy, so happy because uh, the team is working really well. And I feel confident on the bike. Still today, I feel it. my pace was really good. Uh, still, we have to modify something on the electronic that we can improve for next race if we have to fight, you know. So I'm, I'm happy. I, I'm confident. Was it a concern when Mark went out at the front and, you know, you were in there with Cal as well? Did you just want to let Mark go or did you think, oh, I've got to chase him? Sure, I think I have to chase him and fast, you know, because Mark was doing a great lap times, same as mine. So I needed to hurry up and I was hurry up. I think if, if Mark don't crash, I, I will do a bit faster than what I was doing. But anyway, I hope Mark is okay. Uh, he can return without injuries. He was doing a great race also. How's the Yamaha going to work in Austin in a couple of weeks' time? We know the Honda's always gone well there. Is it going to be a tougher prospect than Argentina? We, we know that uh, their Hondas are doing good, but it's Mark. You know, it's Mark that makes that Honda go doing really good. And I know I'm good on that. I'm good on changing directions. I'm good to keeping the speed there. So we're going to try to make one stop and go back, and we're going to try to fight uh, for the win. I love the sound of the confidence, Maverick. Two wins. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, nice fella, full of confidence and a great relationship currently with Valentino Rossi. Good to see that going well. Makes a change in that pit box, doesn't it? Yeah, man, I'm still dumbfounded by his what he just yeah. said. I'm going to make a stop-and-go bike for Austin. That's These guys are already thinking ahead. But, yeah, these guys obviously get along great. Good stuff. Delighted to say we're joined by Scott Redding. Well done, Scott. Good ride today. Finished eight. How are you feeling about that? No, I feel good. Um, I was just saying then it was a difficult race for me with the tyre. I went with the harder option in the rear. And it didn't really pay, pay off at all. I struggled to get the front tyre temperature up in the first few laps. Um, and I was doing 141s and I needed to be in the middle 40s and that let the guys get away. Uh, and then when the fuel dropped, tyre temperature came, I could get my rhythm in the middle 40s. That was my, my goal to get in the race, you know. And then I managed to pass Miller, make a bit of a gap. Then in one moment, like a switch, the rear tyre was destroyed, you know. Spinning all the way up the back straight, trying to load the tyre coming out onto starting straight finish was just trying to tame a beast, you know. So in the end, I knew I had to fight for it um, because the guys were coming. I had no tyre left, no lap time left to make a gap. Um, and I just managed to bring it home in eighth, just defending a bit of line and doing the best I could today. When did you make that decision on the tyre? Um, well, Friday. You early because a lot <laughs> yeah. of them were making late calls on the grid, right? Yeah, my problem was that in the beginning of the weekend, after Friday, you have to make a decision on tyre. And I didn't really feel good with any except the hard. So, you know, the soft, we thought we're safe for qualifying. We used the hard for the race. And we, we neglected the medium. It was a little bit maybe my mistake, but I didn't have a good feeling. So the error was probably there. But, you know, in the warmer pie was good. And I felt good with the hard tyre. But in the race, I really struggled to get that potential with it with the full fuel tank. Try and give us some insight into what's going on with Ducati at the moment. You're on the GP16, uh, Batista on the GP16, great result for him today. But across from you here, you've got the Ducati factory team with that beautiful multi-million pound bike, and it's not doing the job. What is the difference, and why is it working for you guys and not them? Um, I wouldn't say it's not doing the job, personally. Um, you know, both were unlucky. You know, Lorenzo hit the back of Iannone, Davizioso got took out. I mean... Ducati's never been one of them bikes to take the front and go away. They've always had to work to make the good results. And it's still, an, it's still a bike early, still developing a lot. It come late in testing. With my bike, it was everything I wanted better last year, I've got it with this bike. So I know I just have to work on myself and just with the setup. So in the end, 
they will come stronger. And, you know, as for the GP15 with, like, Baz and Abraham, sometimes that bike will shine. It did last year, it will this year. But the timesheets show that the older bikes are doing better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely in the one lap, you're right. Um, but also, them guys, you see a lot of time they're following. It's one lap, you see the rhythm, it's not really that strong. I was surprised with the rhythm of Abraham. I expected to drop back a bit more, but I managed to hold a good pace. And, you know, some riders have a better feeling in other tracks, and maybe the setup of his bike worked better here than others. Let's hear from that wise old man, Valentino Rossi. Valentino, I want to know uh, what you have for breakfast on race day every single week because, again, we didn't know where you were throughout the weekend and you didn't. You, were, you came to us and you said that, you know, you're still looking for that something. Did you find it again today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Looks like with this bike, uh, we suffer a lot during the, the practice because uh, it's a different way to ride. Uh, and also this morning in the warm-up uh, we, we decided to try two different uh, balance and we understand what we need for the race and uh, like in Qatar we were able to improve a lot of the balance to make uh, the bike very comfortable for me, braking, entry. I was stronger than in Qatar. I, I feel good. I feel good physically and also I feel concentrated mentally I can, and also I can ride at, at the maximum from the beginning to the end so it was a good race and also the, the battle with Cal was, uh, was great because it was very tight, but I understand that I can do because I was a little bit, a little bit faster. And, uh, you know, it's important to arrive on the podium. It's important to improve the, the, the result of, uh, of Qatar and it's also important for the championship. And you're closer to Maverick as well in terms of the time at the end of the race. Do you feel you're chipping away at that gap and there will be a time when we're going to see you both battling on track? Allora, uh, for, for me, uh, we, I have to see the, the lap time. But I think that today he was a bit faster than me. So uh, also if I overtake Cal before, um, difficult. Yeah, and, and about overtaking Cal, he said he was having to slow. He had a fuel problem, perhaps some warning light was on. Um, did you time your pass so that you knew at the end of the race you had enough to manage? Allora, uh, everybody, we, we are strong, but we fight with the, with the tires, you know, like, like normal. Uh, but uh, I have two or three points where I can go faster and uh, one point where I can overtake Cal. And I say, so if I'm able to overtake and make this two or three points in front, I can take some advantage and it was like this. You still didn't answer me. What do you have for breakfast? Yeah, breakfast of champion. What was that? <laughs> A coffee? <laughs> no, no, I don't remember. But, oh, okay. you know, if... if uh, <laughs> At a certain age, you have to decide one day to, to be strong. So we decide for Sunday. I think it's the right decision, no? I think it's the best time to be strong. Valentino, well done on another podium. Brilliant. Gracias, gracias. Thank you. I, ho I so wanted to say an unfiltered Gitan cigarette and an espresso. <laughs> there you go. Uh, not the case. Interesting what Scott said there about the factory Caddy team and the factory Honda team. So they're going to get better. It's going to take a little bit of time. Does that mean there's a few rounds here for Yamaha just to fill their boots with championship points? Is that what we're going to see? Uh, definitely. You know, you've got to take advantage if there's any sort of weakness. And it's always hard these three flyaways to start with because you can't really change too much. You know, by the time you get back to it, you have a chance of, you know, improving things. What are you going to say, Carl? How much better are they going to get? You know, I mean, they, they, they have what they have. You, you got to mess around with what you, the package you have. Sure, you're going to get better, but you're not going to get light years better.
Well, the fact it took FP3 for Jorge Lorenzo to decide what saddle height he liked yeah. shows that they're still work in progress, right? Yeah, yeah. No, there is, I mean, for Jorge more so, he, he needs seat time. What he didn't need today, I'm not going to state the obvious, that he didn't need to crash. He needed another race under his belt. He yes. needed to understand what that motorcycle felt over 25 laps, over 40 minutes, you know, and he's missed that. So he's really on the back foot even more than he, you know, than he would be. It's easy to go out and do four or six laps. You come in, oh, this is terrible, that's bad. But when you get 24, 25 laps in, you can come in and analyze everything. You understand exactly. it. You understand everything about it. And the Yamaha's going well across the board. Uh, the Tech Trois team, an outstanding result today. Johan Zarco in fifth place, Jonas Folger mm -hmm. taking sixth. Uh, just brilliant stuff. We'll start looking at Folger. And what did he do so well today? Wait, just... Uh, <laughs> He's been fast ever since he threw his leg over this bike, and he just looks comfortable. He's a big lad. He uses his body weight a lot. He's comfortable with the back end moving, as we just saw. Yeah. Big slides, but um, great to see his confidence building. At Zarco here, it looked like that hard tire worked uh, about mid-race, and then it, there you go, and then it just fell off the planet. He was spinning and smoking, but he held it, held on to it. And, but that's the education for two rookies. They need to do these races. They, they need to know Actually, when, you, when it starts sliding, you've got to try and roll it off a little bit or you'll burn a tire out. It's a new experience for them. They'll have never had that in Motor 3 or Motor 2. But Zarko's not behaving like a rookie. No, no, you he, know, which he, is brilliant. he thinks he belongs there, but that's, you know, what he touched on when he was talking about riding the bike manually. You remember what Cal said yesterday, I had to ride the bike more manually. Instead of just relying on all the electronics to do all the work, sometimes you have to just breathe it a little bit and try and go forward instead of sideways. Okay, well, there you go. That's MotoGP done and dusted. Uh, let's look back at Moto3. Here comes McPhee! Is he going to be able to do it? The front bubbles! Does he do it? No, he's not going to be able to. Ooh. It's going to be Mia for sure. McPhee is going to push Martin out wide as they go for the line. McPhee is second, but it's Joan Mia, the fastest man here all weekend, that takes the win for the second time this year. And it is McPhee for the second time who is in runner-up spot. What a fantastic race. I'm delighted to say we're joined by John McPhee. Just enjoying those final moments there, and it's amazing in racing. One second, you're trying to close down on the race leader. Half a second later, you're defending your second place. Difficult emotionally there, I'd imagine, those final seconds. Yeah, the, the last lap was exciting there. It was good to good to see what was going on behind me as well, because I kind of had a rough rough idea of what was going on. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know quite how close they were going to enter that final turn. And, yeah, trying to defend, trying to trying to make a move on Mir at the same time. It wasn't an easy last lap, but we we done the best job we could. Yeah, really enjoyable battle, and uh, for the most part, you were battling with Joanne Mir, who was looking really smooth out there, but you're pushing each other wide. You had to kind of fight quite a lot there, didn't you, really? Yeah, I'd, I'd lined it up. You know, every every lap I came down in there, I knew Mir was going to be the guy to beat come the last lap because he was so strong throughout the whole race. And, uh, yeah, going down there, I, I was much faster through the left-hander and the run down into it, but he was a little bit stronger on the brakes. So I knew if I could just get alongside him, brake beside him, and uh, just kind of run him off, you know, run him, run him wide, and then we, we would have had the, had the place. But he braked so deep, and I went in behind him, had a little bit of moment with the front, and both of us ran wide, and I thought that uh, Martin was going to come through on us. So, yeah, lucky to, lucky to get away with it, really, but, yeah, it's, it's still some really good points on the board, so we, we need to be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, we're going to pick up on the detail in a moment, Haji, but just give us an overview of what it means to you. You know, a couple of podiums in the first two rounds of the season compared to last year, it's fantastic for you, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's a massive, massive uh, improvement compared to what we've had in the past. And, uh, yeah, it's a great feeling. You know, the season for me doesn't 
really start until you arrive back in Europe. So these three races are strange. You know, it's a long way to come. There's a lot of effort goes into getting here and getting everything organised, and you only get one opportunity. So if uh, if you chuck it down the road in one of these these first few races, it's it's a big waste of uh, points, and it's it's not a very good way to finish. So to get there on the podium, the first two rounds is a really nice feeling for me. It's great for the team and great for everyone. I wonder, looking back at last season on that Peugeot, I wonder, Parage having to break late and get every squeeze, every advantage you could out of that bike. How has that been a help this season on a better package? Yeah, massively. Uh, Have massively. you used that experience? Yeah, definitely. I I came out of uh, last year as a stronger rider for sure. Um, it's yeah, I, I was riding. Even Qatar race, you know, we got the podium the first round and then I said to the guys, I said, the most frustrating thing is, is last year I had to ride 10% harder than I rode that, that the race to, to get on the podium because when you're down on power, you're doing everything you can and then you're way back in 20th position and nobody's actually seen the effort you're putting in. So, to, I told uh, you. <laughs> we had this conversation. I know we had this conversation. I said a driving a junker for a year is not a bad thing. It makes you a much better rider. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's completely right. So to then uh, have a, a proper package and a proper bike underneath you, it makes all the difference. How has your riding style changed or has it changed in comparison to last year? Um, not really, to be honest. I think... Uh, yeah, over the last three, four years, there's not, there's nothing really changed. It's more or less the same. Uh, I've learned a little bit and added it to my, to my riding, but I've actually changing my style and having to adapt to the biker end. I've not had to do too much there, and it's weird as well because you look at even the preseason testing in Jerez and then, uh, then Qatar. We look at what we were doing on the, on the Mahindra and uh, or the Peugeot, I should say, and um, it's more or less the same. You know, I'm, I'm breaking more or less the same marker, breaking with the same pressure, carrying the same corners. We're doing everything more or less the same, but we've just got that extra horsepower to drag us down the straights. Are you starting to believe you're a contender? What's the future looking like? I mean, you... it's kind of uh, it's yeah, it's kind of all coming itself, you know. Without me having to overthink it or uh, overanalyze it, you know, I came over the line. I don't know if you've seen, but I nearly punched the screen. I was so angry that I didn't win the race. So <laughs> I then came in and thought, right, come on, let's have a bit of a, a reality check here. We're still on the podium. It's the second round of the season. Uh, yeah. Then, then obviously I'm delighted. I'm really, really happy to 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 bring a podium. It's only second round of the year, but. I think the fact is I know I can I know I can win races and we're so close it's it's definitely going to come The Moto2 Grand Prix of Argentina Oh, oh down goes Marquez and that's a big off that's knocked him senseless for a moment or two Alex Marquez did what he did last year Frank Morbidelli will take this Argentine Moto2 race win then. Two out of two, and he is the first Italian to win. Back-to-back -back Moto2 victories. Oliveira's over the line. Luti gets a lucky third place. Yeah, well done, Franco Morbidelli. Alex Marquez, what a difficult day he's got to reflect on. But a great weekend for these guys. Brad Binder, reigning Moto3 world champion, of course, playing your trade Moto2 with the KTM team. Miguel Oliveira on the podium today. Well done, boys. A massive weekend for you guys for many reasons, but for the team, huge. What has the celebration been like in there, Miguel? Yeah, uh, well, we're celebrating a little bit, for sure. It's a big day for us. Uh, for sure, even yesterday with the pole position was already a big surprise. Uh, and today, for sure, the the main goal was to get the points, you know, but uh, finally we got the podium, which was uh, which was awesome. And, and, and no one wants to see a fellow rider crash like that, but yeah. it was a nice little treat for you. Yeah, I mean, it uh, was, uh, was a good uh, good gift, yeah. Uh, I saw he was angry to, to go for victory. 
uh, to stop Morbidelli to win the, his second second race in a row. But uh, yeah, finally it's that's racing. It looked like I don't know halfway through you were, you guys were all catching, and then for some reason you had yeah, a mistake I had a, or something. I had a bit of a moment trying to take my tear off uh, yeah. in the back straight and uh, was kind of looking so much uh, to the left side and. Uh, I jumped basically uh, my too my, far breaking. I I overbreak myself and I lose a couple of tenths there. Right. So um, Brad, a significant uh, ninth place for you, considering we only found out just before the race, you've actually got a broken left arm at the moment. Um, that is incredible that you got through a race. Never mind getting in the top ten. Uh, what's the break like? How bad is it? How much pain were you in throughout that race? Ah, uh, you know. My arms felt strange, really strange for. Yeah, because it was broken, Brad, Brad. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to basically last night it didn't feel good. I struggled to sleep because I had a lot of pain, and uh, when I woke up this morning, it was not looking good at all. It was really, really swollen, and like it was something was wrong. So I uh, went to the medical center and we took another X-ray, and um, basically the plates come loose and the bones moved again. So. Uh, yeah, it's not ideal, and my arm was super sore. But um, Clinica has some good painkillers, so it was pretty. It got me through the race, that's for sure. Is there an operation in store? Might you be out for a while? Do you think? Yeah, uh, now tomorrow I head back to Barcelona, and on Wednesday or Thursday I'm getting operated on again. So uh, that's me out for the next six weeks, apparently. Well, best of luck with your recuperation, and you're a brave man. Fair play to you. Just very quickly, Miguel, though, what does this mean for KTM today? Their first season in Moto2. Yesterday, Paul on the podium today. It really rubber stamps you guys as a racing team in MotoGP. Yeah, coming into a new project, uh, you know, the expectation always is not too high because everything is new and uh, we're kind of seeing what, what is coming out. Uh, but the truth is the, the team is working really hard. Uh, the, also, the test team is, uh, is in tests all the time. And uh, this makes the work for us a little bit easier. But we are working hard for it, and uh, the results will come even even better. Yeah. Okay, so you call it Texas, Perez, Lamar. Where can we expect you to win? Because it's coming. It's going to happen soon. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to happen soon. But uh, you know, we we really need to keep our feet on the ground yeah, in terms of working now. I think Jerez is a good place because we've tested there quite a few times, uh, and we are comfortable. We know what to expect. But now Texas is a completely different track again, so uh, we'll have to learn everything. So. And are you are you really training to be a dentist? I'm studying. Yeah. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you have cracking teeth. After, after work career, yeah. Really? Okay, well, you might come around our paddock. Bit of work to be done in our gang. But uh, look, well done today. Congratulations, Brad. Thanks. Look, hard luck with that broken arm, and we hope you get better soon. Boys, have you calmed down yet? What did you make of the weekend? Such a lot to make of, really, isn't there, Craig? I've got to say that um, for me, though, I'm going to stick with McPhee if I can. The fact that already they're analysing where they can find something even more. He's a man that just finished in second place, almost won the race, yet they're looking at how they can brake a little bit harder, how they can get the balance of the bike better. That shows for me just how far they've advanced on the British talent team. Absolutely. We said it in Qatar that McPhee should be, could be, will be a championship contender this year. This weekend proved it. And we saw the insights that John uh, Neil there in his analysis and Jeremy 
they've given us insights in what, to what it takes to make those absolutely tiny improvements. So what about Lorenzo? He's the other man that seems to make a lot of improvement. That was his fault. I mean, we had to look at it in the first place. Ian Oney did check up just a little bit, but the fact of the matter was that he didn't come across the nose of Lorenzo. No. Lorenzo did just ride into the back of the Suzuki man. Mind you, he's only getting his own back for what uh, Ian Oney did to him uh, some time ago. Yeah, but you see it here. Lorenzo... As Neil said, he's over the right of the bike. He might have a blind spot there. No, he knew where everything was. At the end of the day, he shouldn't have run straight into the back of somebody. The problem as well for me is, is the fact that Ducati's qualified so badly. You said it right early in commentary. I think the boys said it as well. If you qualify that bad, you put yourself in a bad area. And, and that's what had happened. Absolutely. With the and they've not qualified that bad for over 10 years, the factory bikes. And the question is now, Keith, everybody, where does Lorenzo's head go now? What can he do? Did Ducati pick the wrong man? Answers on the postcard at BT Sport Motor GP, of course. You can always join us as far as that's concerned. There's a lot of Lorenzo fans out there at the moment. What are you thinking? Is it Ducati's fault? Is it his own fault? Is it a joint problem that they're going to be able to get over? It's been a very strange weekend. The first one, Qatar and here, and of course, Texas, don't always throw up exact results for the rest of the year. Interesting question. Colin, have uh, Ducati chosen the wrong man? I'm not answering that. I like, I've, I mean, Lorenzo, how many championships has he won? Five, four, yeah. four however. Plus act. He's, he's fast. Um, they, got, they got some underlying issues, some serious issues they need to fix. The guy is an outstanding former world champion. There's no doubt about that. We know that mentally things can get in on him a little bit, and this weekend's not going to help on that front. He needs some feel-good, and he needs a quick. Yeah, yeah, he does, and we, and we can't we can't stop picking on him just yet. Let's wait till we get to a Spain, Barcelona a bit later, you know, a bit later on in the year. You know, he made a mistake in that that race. Obviously, he qualified poor. He wasn't that good in Qatar. He needs to pull his finger out, doesn't he? I say we finish this over a pint in the bar. <laughs> I think that's a very we, we good can, idea. We can go deeper into this. Yeah. Are you buying, Colin? <laughs> Finally, I'll buy. Good man. I've never seen him drink a full pint, though. But the plant next to him always gets a little bit of it. Um, bad day for the factory Hondas as well. So interesting, isn't it, how it's shaken up today? Yeah, it's a massive day for the championship because, you know, after pre-season, everyone said it's between Marquez and Vinales. And Vinales took a full 25 points off Marquez today. That's the big story for me. Yeah, I mean, both Hondas crashing in exactly the same corner. The chances of that are pretty slim. There's, there's something going on. You know, kind of similar crashes, but they're having to ride it. Obviously, talking to Cal, you got to take a lot of risk and ride it hard to, to make it go fast. Yeah, and the big story, of course, Cal Crutchlow on the podium as well. And let's not forget that Scott Redding's currently fourth in the MotoGP Championship. But the big result, again, especially for all the Scots watching today, John McPhee up on the podium in Moto3. Uh, a nice tweet from his mentor, Jeremy McWilliams. Uh, he spotted something when he looked at the podium today. And the initials of all the winners, uh, all the podium sitters today, Joanne Mir, John McPhee, Jorge Martin and Jeremy McWilliams, four JMs. Janie Mack, that's all i got to say about that voice. <laughs> Not the most exciting thing we saw in Moto3 today, <laughs> but a great result for John, and we've seen him just seemingly grow over the past few weeks. Uh, it, it, it's weird that just everything come together at the, at the same time. The Honda, the package, the team, him, everybody's starting to believe, and he, he's on the podium two times in a row. It's awesome. Is this it? Is this the change for him? Ab for absolutely. Yeah. John McPhee's fighting for this world title and we've got something to scream and shout about in every Mortal 3 race. I'm over the moon. And do you think the battle's going to be with Joanne Mir? You think yeah. that's his main, main Me is the real deal. He's a class act from the first time we met him. He won a race last year as a rookie. He won the rookie race, you know, like the rookie championship last year. He's amazing. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's Mir. So for John to beat him in the championship, it's going to be difficult. But uh, 
he's got the tools to do it. Uh, and a quick word on what I think is probably one of the biggest disappointments of the weekend, and that's Alex Marquez, because he needs a big season. Mm. He's been trying to find his feet in that Moto2 bike. We thought that might happen this weekend. Almost on the podium, crashes out. Uh, yeah, and there's no excuse for that. Absolutely not. The race is over. You can't do anything about it. Just take your medicine, get your second place, and go. The good news is he gets to fix it in Austin. Well, there you go. That's it from Argentina. We'll be back in two weeks' time from the Americas GP in Austin, Texas. We'll speak to you then. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 